Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the media tab. Thank you and God bless. That I want to share with you. And it's, it's simply entitled this, Full Of. And that to me is a huge statement because we're going to be full of one thing or the other. And I want to take a look at it from Acts chapter 7 because it deals with the story of Stephen. And, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, there's a lot of individuals that really fascinate me in Scripture. And Stephen is one of those guys. We don't know a ton about Stephen, but the thing that, we cont- the thing that I look at and I, I hear him share and describe, he's, 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 the, the de- he's one of the deacons there. He's serving the tables, taking care of some people. But, but the mind's understanding, the quickness of which God's anointed and touched him, it just blows my mind. And I'm looking forward to, to, to just, you know, getting to know him in that sense. But Stephen, <coughs> if you remember correctly, is brought before the Sanhedrin council. He, he's been sharing some things, saying some things, and of course, it's ruffled some feathers. You know, you've got to say the right things sometimes so that you don't upset people. But guess what? I believe that there comes a time where feathers need to be ruffled. And Stephen is one of those guys that's, that's, that's been doing this. So he's brought before the Sanhedrin council. You've, you've, you've got the synagogue that's in, in Jerusalem. And remember, we're talking about a guy by the name of Saul at this time, whose name will be Paul later on. And, and he is, is he's not happy having discussions with a guy by the name of Stephen and losing intellectually. Now let me just say something here, because I think you can throw it into your trivia pile if you'd like, but I think it's important when we think uh, in terms of how Paul or then Saul thought. You do realize that Saul, at this point in time, is married. And you might look at that and say, well, how is he married? He's never mentioned his wife. He, he, he has those scriptures there in, in Corinthians, which speaks to being single. What do you mean he's married? Well, there are two prerequisites for a man to be on the Sanhedrin council. Number one, he has to be 30 years of age. And number two, he has to be married. You see, what would take place with Saul is when he received Christ as his Lord, that would pull him away. His entire family, when, when, he, when, he, himself, when he himself declares himself to be a follower and a disciple and a believer in Christ Jesus. I mean, at that particular point, his family will turn on him. He comes from a very wealthy family on top of that. They are tent makers. That's their trade. But they were a very wealthy family. And when I say turn on him, at the point that he receives Christ and declares Christ to be his Lord and Savior, to his family and to his wife, he is considered dead, that he no longer exists. So as a result, from that point on, Paul will be basically single. It's, it's, it's not even a divorce. You are declared dead, period. And so at this point, you have a zealot for, for the Judaism way of doing things, the life that's lived whether it's the temple that's in Jerusalem and Paul that's going through the motions, especially with with Stephen here. They they dispute with Stephen. Their, Their way of thinking, their way of approaching, their way of understanding, the way that they would approach things. There's this argument that ensues. And you got to remember, in their mentality then, and this is prevalent even today in the Middle East to a large degree, that if you can't beat them, kill them. And that's the way it worked in the temple at that time. If you can't beat them, well then, kill them. 
So they, they set him up. They, they, they bring him in. And I, I want you to take a, a, a real quick note then at verse 6 of chapter 11 where it says, Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And to them at that point, anybody hearing that, their total reaction would have been, <gasps> because of the implications that that meant. That was death. It's, it's, it's that simple. So that they set him up. Now, look at verses 13 and 14 there in chapter 6. They also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the, this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. You know, I don't know if you realize, but there's truth in those statements. But the problem with it is they're surrounded by untruths. Do you know how difficult it is to defend against something that's maybe 10% true? I hate that. You know, well, is this? Yeah, but, you know, it, it just, it's, it's just surrounded. It's a, it's a difficult thing. And here you got Stephen being put up against the wall. And in chapter 7, we have Stephen answering the charges. And his mind, his, 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 his way of doing things, his whole demeanor, he starts with Abraham. And then he expounds over to Moses. He includes Israel's rebellion uh, that, that's always against God, always against God, always against God. He, he continues with Moses and, and then the tabernacle, and he talks about David and Solomon and, and the temple and the prophets and all that being together. And then he says this. Look at verse 51. You, <laughs> yeah, I love the way he talks. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Wouldn't you love a pastor that dealt with you like that? Did we remove the, the, the hymns from the pews there so they don't book me to death? I just, I'm just saying, he, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Oof. And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. <laughs> see, I can't see you doing that because you got your mask on. Bless you, bless you, bless you. But, but it goes on to say, I'm, we're going to have trouble with this message. Can you tell that right now? But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Wow, 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 wow. You know, everything he said was all true. Everything he said was truth. And then you got their reaction. It's truth. They know it's truth. And they, 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 they react with, 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 with their hearts being cut and gnashed at him with their teeth. I'm sorry, I've just got this picture in my head of, 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 of about, you know, I don't know how many guys would have been there that day, and they're all just all looking at him going, and I'm like, Ooh, okay, I like this religion. Anyways, going, going I'm going to get more trouble. But see, here's the thing. The reaction, I believe in my heart, that's given here by the Sanhedrin Council wouldn't have been there if they could have answered him. Uh, take a look at verse uh, 54 again there. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You know, there's a difference between what they were full of. There's a difference between what... Now, 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 now the one side you have rage and darkness. And on the other side you have 
the Holy Spirit. They, they over here declare to know God. <laughs> but, but, but confront them with God and you see the reaction. But I got to thinking, and you know that's dangerous for me, but we'll just... just but, 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 but why does it? Why did it make them so angry with what he said? You got them, I mean, they're full of rage, they're full of bitterness, and, 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 and Stephen, on this side, is full of the Holy Spirit. Now, to me, that's a, that's a huge statement. But, God said, it doesn't say that. That's what he spoke to my spirit. It just says that, that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. God said, they're not full of anything. In other words, what he said was, they're empty. Stephen was full, but they were empty. And friend, what you see happening, being produced, is what emptiness produces. Hello? They were, it's what emptiness produces, the anger. The, the, the bitterness, the defilement, the defensiveness. It was a big word for me. But the reality is, right then and there, it rears its head. Friend, when you're on a diet and your stomach's empty, people see the result of that. They hear it. You don't act like you normally do when you are full of food. Unfortunately, I've seen relationships between husbands and wife become empty. At one time, just something happened. Something went, I'm not, but I'm saying there's a difference between full and empty. I've, you know, I've watched people who've had so much money and then lost it all. And it's amazing the outcome and yeah, it's the same thing with success in, in, in a lot of ways for a lot of people. But, but the difference of what I'm talking about is the difference between empty and being full and what emptiness produces. Look, very simply, emptiness means holding or containing nothing. Okay? It establishes that there is, there is first a container. You know, you know what it's like to, to, to pick up a box that you thought is so big and it's going to be so heavy, and you pick it up and there's nothing there? It, it's, it's sort of like that. It's a container that's, 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 that's containing nothing. It's holding nothing. And, and, but it establishes that there is first a container. But what looks like something, it's actually nothing. In fact... Take a look there in your notes at 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's, it's having the form of godliness, but denying its power. And he goes on to say, Paul does, from such people, turn away. Why would Paul tell you to turn away from such people? You're going to find that there are people in your life that will pull you down, that will suck you dry, of, of life itself, and it will make no difference to them. They might make it look like that, but I can guarantee you in a few days they're going to need to suck that life and pull you down again in order to meet a need that can't be met in their lives, not through you. And the problem with that does, it robs you of what you really need to have for the people who truly do need you in your life. So, so when I say this, I say it very carefully. It is, is that there are those who have the form thereof of godliness, but they deny the power therein, and they will pull you down. They will talk the story. They will slant these things. They will suck you dry of what you have in order so that they, them, well, I'll just get into it. It's a very selfish kind of scenario. But be careful of that. That's what he's saying. You know, 
turn, he's saying, turn away. He doesn't say, hate them, don't like them, never talk to them, ignore them completely. He just says, turn away from them because of what they're wanting to do. Don't be afraid to say to them, hey, love you, but you know, this conversation's not for me. Now, now, let me just stop there and go on to the next verse that's there because of what it says. It says in 2 Timothy, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, hello, he, will, he also will deny us. Now, I, I, those words are the same. Denying in both verses are the same. So understand, you know, I look deep into trying to find out what denying actually means. And you want to know what it means? To deny. Yeah, dying means, denying means to deny. That, 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 was, that was impressive, wasn't it? Well, what, but and honestly, when I, when I found out what, it, what meaning it carried with it, it caused me to stop in my tracks to be truthful. Deny. Arne Oheia is the Greek name for it. Arne Oheia. It, it's, it's, it's a strong, strong word in the Greek. And yes, in the Greek it means to reject or to, or to refuse. But what I want you to hear is what it also means. It means not live up to. It means not to live up to. That's a huge statement. To deny, to deny. In other words, as he's saying, having the form of godliness, but denying not to live up to its power. It, it, it is, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we don't live up to him, he will also deny us. Oh, Pastor, that's where I fail so much. That's, that's why I have so many problems is because, you know, I try to live this Christian life, but I just can't do it. I'll keep on messing up, keep on failing, and yeah, I, just, I just give up. God told me one time when I said I give, I, I did. I, <coughs> excuse me, one of those Monday mornings where you quit because you just just, just disaster. And, and, and he, he goes, good, now maybe I can do something about things. <laughs> not, not comforting when God talks to you like that, let me tell you. But, but here's my, my thing. It, it's not a matter of acts. This is a matter of trust. Our lives deny him, for we do not live up to. What he has done, what he has given, and the reality of that is, again, trust. It's, it's faith. I have come, he said, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. And, and, and let me just say again, if there's no rest, there's no trust. Hello? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, if there's no, no rest, there's no trust. Because where you have trust, you'll have rest. It's, it's, again, the phrase is to live up to. And please understand what's behind this because our minds immediately begin to work on this in the way our culture teaches us. Well, that means then I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to make them happy. I've got to satisfy them. I've got to please them. I've got to do all these things, all these things to make them happy. If I don't, oh my goodness, I'm not living up to. And as a result, that means I must be denying him. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're a bad person. <laughs> How many know we cannot live up to anything in our own strength. It's not in, in our abilities. It's how we respond to what he's given us. If, 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 if for example, I'm a mechanic, okay? 
let's say I'm working in, in, in my garage, and my boss has given me all these tools to work with, so I have everything, and I have a diagnostic thing to check what the problems are. I get to just plug it in and go, beep, 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 and you got your answer right there. You get to go to work on things, you know, you got, so, so I got all, here's, here's the car, here's the tool, here's the diagnostics, here's all these things, even a manual for dummies like me, right? So uh, I, I walk in there and I stand there. After all he's given me, and I'm looking at this stuff. You know, I just sort of look at it. it it's okay. Tell him I'm not here. It's, it's all right. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just looking at this stuff. I mean, there's the tools. There's the manual. There's the diagnostic. There's the car that's got problems. So a couple hours later, the boss walks in. How'd it go? Because I'm just sort of standing. It's, it's not working. Well, how comes it's not working? I don't, I don't know. It's just, I tried. I looked at it several different ways. I breathed on it. I sang to it. <laughs> but nothing. Well, did you use the diagnostic machine? No. no. Did you use the wrenches and, and, the, and, the, and the forks and the spare parts? No. No, I didn't use them. But that's the way a lot of us believers are. He's given us his word. He's given us the power of prayer. He's given us that relationship. He's given us everything we need, and then we have the audacity to say, but God don't work. I wonder why. I know I've been standing here forever, and he's not done a thing. He's already given you everything. There's nothing more to give. So, it's not living up to in our response to what he has done for us. Does that make any sense? <clears throat> I got two amens and a uh-huh. But, 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 but let me, oh man. How much of the church is, 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 is too, too much like the Sanhedrin Council? And, and, and what I'm saying by that is we're not full. We're just, we're, we're, we're not full. We're empty. We're, we're not holding or we're containing nothing. And, and, and I say that because, you know, we're a container. We're here. You know, I've told the story how many times of, of going into the, going into the, 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 the garbage, the, the dump sight, walking through there, and then seeing a, ooh, a can of pork and beans. You know what I mean? That can is wrapped and pretty and has the picture of it in there with all those beans and, and hunks of, of bacon, and, and it's a home-style baked bean. If you think I'm going to say Brussels sprouts, you're nuts. Anyways, <clears throat> so I go over to that can, and I'm all excited about finding a can of pork and beans, and I pick it up, and it's, you're right, it's empty. Depressed. I turn to my side. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. That can, that container, tells me that something used to be there. And that something that used to be there is called pork and beans. Friend, I, I don't ever want to reach a place where people who drive up and down on 14 see a sign that says church, but yet inside there's a bunch of people, but it's empty. It's, it's, it's void. And, 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 and yeah, it can... It, just like a, an empty can of pork and beans can be filled with a bunch of other stuff like programs or, or this thing or that thing. It's still empty of what it's supposed to have. What it was created to be. If there was ever a time for his church to be full of the Holy Spirit, I believe it's today. 
I, I, I got to say that with all of my heart. I, I honestly believe it's today. And the truth behind that, I don't have to say a thing. You take a look at not just this country, not just the condition. You take a look at this world today. And friend, I, I'm going to tell you something. That, that we, we, you know, we're, we're, I, I'm, why is it that I just want to get in so much trouble today? I want to stand here and, and share with you that what your concept might be of, of this world and attacking it verbally or, or talking down there, you know what? This, what would happen with a church that would be full of the Holy Spirit? How would it change the entire community around it being empowered and literally going forth in the love of God, in the power of His name, not about what we're doing, but what we're responding to what He has given us to do. And, and I say that because the way to understand that we're empty is to realize what we're not living up to. We're not living up to. In other words, we're not responding to what He has gifted us, to what He has given us, to what He has called us to be, to what we need to be doing. And, and friend, yes, there's a lot of things that have tried to shut us down and shut us up and keep us from and preventing us too. There's a lot of people, unfortunately, that are adopting a different life because of this past year that has changed for and and it's a, it's become a life of we don't do this and we don't do that and we're not see I'm just saying friend be careful between what God is telling you what God is showing you and 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 friend please don't just tell me that yeah it comes from mm, like I said trouble here but friend we need to be responding to what God Okay. Well, honestly, that's that's this what I just shared with you is not the word he gave me. Because that's the word he gave me on the way to the word that he gave me. See, here's the question I kept asking. I kept asking him this. Lord, what did he say that, that so riled them up that they killed him? I mean, what? I mean, I know how some of you are. You looked at your spouse in one day and said, "No, I'm just kidding." But, but in all honesty, what did he say that got them so riled that they would drag him out and stone him to death? And I'm thinking, you know, okay, you know, I'll go back to that that one verse there in 51, uh, where he says, "You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart." You always resist the Holy Spirit, just like your daddies did. So do you. And it's like, ooh, can you say that to them? Well, he did. But, but, but is that the reason to kill him, to, to stone him? I mean, I go over those words, and, and I kind of think in my head how he must have said those words, right? How they came out of his mouth. Did you ever have somebody just say something to you that you're like, And as I'm thinking about that, this is what I had impressed on me. It wasn't what he said. It's what he saw. It wasn't what he said. It was what he saw. Oh, man. Remember he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God? Look, I see the heavens open. And Jesus is standing at the... <laughs> it's Jesus. Go ahead. 
head. Try that on your neighbor. They can't see anyways. I'm going to have grandkids today keep coming to me going, I'm going to declare to you today that there is no believer, there is no church going to get the enemy holding its hands over its ears and running towards them just because they're going, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. And, 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 and I can tell you that it's not going to happen. They're not going to you know, throw their hands over their ears and, and run towards them if there's been a healing every you know, six years or so. But, but let me tell you, the enemy, the enemy, Look, when the church, when the believer, full of the Holy Spirit, is seeing something, the enemy is going to come at you with full force. He has to make you doubt what you've seen. It's not about what you're saying here. It's about what you're seeing. Do you see him high and lifted up? Do you see him as your redeemer? Do you see him working in your life? Do you hear his... mm, do, Do you know him as that mountain mover in your life? Look, I know circumstances don't work, but I can tell you he is at work in your life every step of the way, every avenue, every street, every alley, every situation, every circumstance. God is still on the throne. Man, I'll give him glory. He's worthy. A church, a believer, full of the Holy Spirit, is going to see things. Is going to see things. Matter of fact, look at the whole thing here. It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the hearts, and they gnashed at him with their teeth, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears. (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't get to... I haven't even seen your kids act like that, okay? But it says they stopped and ran at him with one accord. In other words, they were in unity together over this thing. Now, I know, friend, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. But let me tell you, when you walk by faith, you're going to see things. You're going to see him. And, and, and here's, here's the point I want to repeat here this morning because half the time, we're not worried about seeing him as much as we are seeing what he can do. Now, I'll just put that out there because that's the honest gospel truth. We'll, 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 we'll spend our life being poured out to him over something we want him to do, but we won't pour out our life wanting to see him, to know him, to ask him to show us his glory. (laughs) Look, what was it that Stephen really saw that day? The glory, Jesus at the right hand, I I can tell you that that's part of what he saw, but that wasn't the substance in what he saw. I can tell you, yeah, he, he saw heaven open, and he saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing there at the right hand of the throne of majesty, but I can tell you 
what he actually saw, what was substantive behind what he saw was something called victory. Stephen saw victory. He saw Christ who had been raised from the dead, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, who overcame death and the grave, who overcame sin and despair, disease, anger. He overcame it and sat down and because he overcame, we overcome. Because he's alive, we're alive. And with the enemy coming at him, hear me, with the enemy coming at him, he saw victory. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I, I see the financial struggles coming at me. Oh, he saw victory. I, I, see, I see disease and, and cancer and, and issues and, and life falling. He saw victory. I, I see the divorce and, and the trouble and all my problems. I see my job going. Ah, he saw victory. Mm. Whatever the circumstances or the situations, they're out there. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Stephen saw victory. Say it with me. Stephen saw victory. Oh, yeah. When he saw all that was faced against him, he saw victory. How? Well, they were empty. He was full. I'll say it again. Circumstances, situations, can even be the good stuff, friend. When they confront me, you know, so many times I see believers doing, I rebuke you, 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 rebuke you, rebuke you, rebuke you. Until my rebuker has gotten worn out. And, 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 how many know? Doesn't work. Why? Because you're using it as a formula. When God stirs in your spirit to say, rebuke that thing, man, all you got to do is, you're done. And it's done. But don't you go trying to come up with formulas out of something that you've learned which you're really talking about being empty. This is talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And friend, you know, well, what if God doesn't tell me to rebuke it? Then my friend... I don't know what else to tell you, but this, being full of the Holy Spirit, I don't care what's coming at you, you're going to see victory as overcoming the world. But I've had such bad things happen. I understand that. But are you really seeing God? Or are you looking for what he can do rather than for who he really is? We've got the cart before the horse. And I'm saying, believers, don't sit back. Don't become, you know, just, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's a list. You know, kind of, you're, just, you're just there. You're existing. You're waiting for God. When God's given you the tools, the diagnostic machine, the, everything you need to work in accordance to how he's leading you and guiding you, through his word called the manual. So, let me just, let me just say this real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you go home to go to sleep. Because I'm here to tell you that even if it kills me, I want to see the victory. There's victory behind everything that would confront you 
to lose hope, to, to, to lose a peace. There's victory. But why, why, didn't, why didn't God do something? Right? Isn't that not how we, we go about it? Why didn't God do something? I mean, Mike, didn't you feel that way when you were losing your hair? Why didn't God do something? Let me tell you something. God did do something. You know what he did? He gave him the grace to forgive. God did do something. I'm telling you, when you are full, you're going to see things. And they're, they're coming at him. Ah! picking up the stones, heaving them at him. Have you ever known what it's like to get pelted, not with little pebbles or a little rock, but these huge stones? They, they, they'll hit you in your bones, and your bones will shatter. The pain, the, the, the agony that begins, and, and, and in your face, until it hits in certain places and renders you unconscious before it becomes death, or death sets in. And Stephen is just shining. And he says, Father, Lord, forgive them. Do not lay this on their account. Help me, God. Help me. Get me out of this, God. Help me, Lord. He, did, he, he saw victory. Looked like death to everybody else, but he saw victory because he was full and not empty. Believer, God's asking for that look inside. And he's asking the question, do you want to be filled? I want to pour my spirit. I want to wrap my arms around. I want to love you. I want to open your eyes of understanding. I, I, I want to touch you in ways that you've never been touched. You're looking for certain outcomes, but you're not looking for me. You're looking for certain ways of things, but you're not looking for me. There's an old song, very simply put. And I'm sure you know it. I'm sure I'm going to find it here as soon as I get to it. See if you remember it. Matter of fact, would you stand with me? You've been seated there so long, you probably need to stretch. And 15 of you need to use the bathroom all at one time. Like a woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never shall run dry. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no 
cup, fill it up, and make me whole. There are millions in this world who are craving the pleasures, earthly things of gold. But none can match the wondrous treasure that I find in Jesus Christ my Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no I know, because God's telling me so. There's been people who have been living and, and saying, I feel so empty. I feel like worthless. I feel like nothing's mattered. I feel like everything is just for nothing. I, I feel like I've come to a place where I'm as empty as they get because none of it, none of it matters anymore. All I see is Nothing. And my friend, I'm here to tell you, I know what it's like to be empty. I know what it's like to be a professional Christian. I know how to say the right things, pray the right words. I know how to make that display and be empty inside. I know what it's like to, to, to walk through and think you got your act together and you're living the way you're supposed to live and you're doing what you're supposed to. And you, you do a lot of comparing at that point too, but the bottom line is you're dead inside because you're empty. And then when truth faces you in the face, something rises up, your teeth come together and you begin to growl. And then it gets pushed a little bit further. Next thing you know, you're so you don't have to listen to it anymore. And one of the key factors to that, I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's called when sin doesn't bother you anymore. When being independent from God doesn't bother you anymore. So that there are certain actions that take place because of that condition. But God's calling us to accountability. Why? Because God's purpose and God's will is not done on this earth yet. We haven't been raptured yet. We haven't been taken up. However you want to call it. There's a big finale coming to my book. And when that trumpet sounds, I'm going to meet him and be with him forever. But for right now, he's got me here. That tells me he's got things he wants done. And the only way they're going to get done is through his church, his people, his kids, that's you and me. But if we don't see it, we live for ourselves. Now, I'm not trying to beat anybody up over the head, but I am saying that God's calling us to accountability. To go from being empty to being full. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and the truth is, you don't even have a relationship with Christ. And you know that in your heart, it ain't working. You can't live this life the way it's being lived. Not without Him. And so if you're here this morning and your heart is responding to His call to you and your heart is saying yes to that relationship He's, he's wanting to have, 
Right where you stand, right where you stand. I'm just going would you just mind slipping up your hand? Because I just want to pray with you. You're here this morning. That's you. Would you affirm that choice? Or are you saying, yeah, that's me. Pastor, pray for me. I, I'm, I just, that's me. I'm saying yes to him. Saying yes to his grace. Amen. Then I'm calling out Christians everywhere in this place. You stiff-necked, uncircumcised of the heart. I'm just kidding. But the truth is, God's calling his church to repentance and to relationship. I am a firm believer that this world needs to be impacted, not by your opinions and not by your attitudes, but by the presence, by the Spirit, and by the love of God. Can somebody say that? Why? Because this world is hurting. This world is dying. This world is going to hell. And this world needs to know Jesus Christ. And he's not going to appear and say, Here I am, I'm holding a rally at downtown, and I'm going to be having free popcorn for everybody. No. The only way he's going to be known is by and through us. And that's going to take place not out of a not out of an empty container, but because of a full container. So as the worship team sings this course, this song this morning, I want to challenge every believer in this place. I do. I want to challenge us to find that place of prayer, to go after him this morning, to ask him to open up the heaven and pour out his spirit upon us. Let's find that place of prayer together. Can we do that? I 